Well, let's once again seek God in prayer, asking for his presence with us this evening. Father, we thank you for saving these three individuals from their sins. We thank you for what we have heard and witnessed this night as they were baptized in water. And we thank you for the truths which we've just sung, that the gospel is for sinners and the gospel is also for those who are already Christians. And we pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit to rest upon us, upon the ministry of the Word of God, upon our hearing of the Word of God. So please come to us in all of our need and meet with us and instruct us. And Lord, make Jesus Christ to be known by all. And may he be truly loved and served. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and beginning at verse 11. Romans 10, verse 11. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, and is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Even as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. And there we stop our reading of God's word. Now I'm well aware that the New King James Version Bible includes an additional phrase in verse 15 of Romans 10. That version says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So if you're reading from the New King James and you heard what I read, I don't want you to think I accidentally skipped over a phrase. I missed it. That phrase is not in all Bible translations, and it's not my purpose tonight to explain that difference, and it doesn't affect the message this evening. But I didn't want anyone distracted thinking Pastor Smith missed something here. Our focus shall be upon the words in verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. And as we begin... There are clearly many wonderful truths written by the Apostle Paul in this passage, such as, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 13, what an excellent proclamation of the free offer of the gospel 
declared by Paul without any reservations, without any hesitations, without any embarrassment. And that would be a wonderful sermon to preach. And I do say that right now. Indeed, whosoever, anyone here in this auditorium, if you're not a Christian, according to the Bible's definition, you are being offered free forgiveness in Jesus Christ this very night. But our focus, as I've already stated, will be upon verse 15, upon the excellent and wonderful truth of verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. And what I have here, what I would like us to learn here, first of all, is we have a fascinating description of a true gospel preacher. A fascinating description of a true gospel preacher. It is clear from this passage in Romans 10 that Paul is concerned to emphasize that if any sinner is to be delivered from his or her sins, he or she must hear the gospel from a preacher. Now, Paul was not ignorant of the fact that sinners can hear the gospel spoken to them by a Christian in an ordinary conversation, and such sinners hearing the gospel from a friend can believe the gospel, believe in Christ, and be truly delivered from his or her sins. He understood that. He took great delight whenever the gospel was proclaimed by anyone. But nevertheless, the emphasis of this passage and other New Testament passages is that God especially has chosen preachers to herald the good news of salvation from sin through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 14 and 15 in Romans 10 make this plain. You can look there in your Bibles. For Paul asks, how shall they hear without a preacher? And then again, how shall they preach except they be sent? And then at the end of verse 15, Paul refers to a passage from Isaiah 52, verse 7. You don't need to turn to that passage. And that passage exclaims, How beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. So in Isaiah 52, the glad tidings concern the imminent release from captivity of the Jews who were in exile. And Paul now applies that truth from Isaiah 52.7 to his readers in the city of Rome. He has glad tidings to announce to them, not the release from physical bondage and physical enslavement, but deliverance and release from the enslavement and captivity of sin, to sin, and to self, and to Satan. That's what he wants to declare. And such wonderful news is brought to Paul's readers by beautiful feet. That's what he says there in Romans uh, chapter 10 and verse 15, citing Isaiah 52. And when we read these words, we may well ask, why did Paul and Isaiah before him refer to the feet of the gospel preacher? Why? 
Well, let me give an illustration that I think will help us to understand this. Suppose for a moment that you lived in the 18th century here in America or in Europe, and friends of yours, a married couple, are expecting their first child to be born. In the 18th century, children were not born in hospitals, but born in homes. And the doctor would come to the home in order to aid in the delivery. And in that time period, unlike today, fathers were not present, generally speaking, during the birthing process, but would be waiting in another room in the house. So as the husband and father-to-be anxiously awaits news hour after hour concerning the delivery of the first child in his marriage, he suddenly begins to hear the sound of feet in the distance, in the house, walking down a hallway, heading toward the room where he, the father, the husband, is pacing about. And the doctor throws open the door to the room and quickly walks with his feet straight to this husband and father-to-be and declares, I have glad tidings to announce to you. You are now the father of a beautiful baby girl. You see, the doctor's feet brought glad tidings to this expectant father. The doctor's feet were, in the eyes of that father, that husband, beautiful feet, for they carried joyous news from wife to husband. But as you continue to watch this scene, you note that the doctor now calms the husband down, the father down, and says to him a second time, I have additional glad tidings to announce to you. You are also the father of a beautiful baby boy. Your wife has delivered fraternal twins to you. So you see, the feet of this doctor announce glad tidings of good things, plural. Not just a good thing, the birth of one child, but of good things, plural. And that's what Paul wants us to understand, that the feet of a gospel preacher, like the feet of this doctor in my illustration, does not announce only one good thing to his hearers, but announces many good things to the hearers. The feet of a gospel preacher announce many good things to his listeners. So that's the fascinating description of the gospel preacher. But now, secondly, an exhilarating description of the good things of the gospel. They're not given in verse 15, of course, but found throughout the pages of Scripture. Numerous good things of the gospel are revealed to us in our Bibles. Some of these good things of the gospel are enjoyed presently while we are here on this earth and some await our entrance into heaven and the consummation of the age. So notice some of these good things. First of all, in the gospel, believing sinners receive free 
and full forgiveness for all their sins. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2. This is just one sample passage that reveals to us this good thing of free and full forgiveness for all sin. Matthew 9 and verse 2, we read the history of one man's sins being forgiven by the Lord Jesus. And we read, And behold, they brought to him, to the Lord Jesus, a man sick of the palsy. He was paralyzed, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. There we stop the reading. So this paralytic and his friends clearly had heard reports about the Lord Jesus Christ and believed that he was able not only to heal him physically, but to heal him spiritually. And the Lord did just that. He pronounced that this paralyzed man's sins, first of all, were forgiven freely and fully. And how were they forgiven? He did not work for his forgiveness of sins. He did not present his good deeds to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness of his sins. He did not give the Lord money. He did not give him gifts. He did not give the Lord anything whatsoever for the forgiveness of his sins. He simply believed that the Lord Jesus Christ was indeed not an ordinary man, but the God-man and Savior of sinners. He heard those reports. He believed that the Lord was able and willing to forgive him for all his sins. And the Lord Jesus then confirmed the validity of that spiritual reality by healing this paralyzed man. And he commanded him, Arise, take up your bed, and go unto your house. And as the healed man walked out of the house, he knew, he knew that all his sins were forgiven in Jesus Christ. That can be the case for any sinner here tonight. And even as Danny and Heather and Rick declared in their baptism that they are sinners and that they're trusting in Christ alone, not themselves, for the forgiveness of their sins. And they've received that forgiveness through faith in Christ. So that can be the case for anyone here this evening who is still lost in your sins. But you might be thinking, sitting here tonight, you might be wondering, could that really be true for me? I believe it's true for Rick. I believe it's true for Heather and Danny. But what about for me? Because you don't know and understand, Pastor Smith, how horrible my sins are. You may be ensnared presently and entangled presently in the sins of perpetual bitterness toward God and toward others. You may be trapped in lies without number. 
You may be conscious of the sins of hypocrisy. You put on a face at home before your parents, but in reality, when you're all alone in secret, it's something very different. And you know that that hypocrisy, that lying, that bitterness, you know it's sin, and you feel helpless. But here in the gospel, this very night, you need to understand, no matter how deeply engulfing your sins may be, no matter how ingrained they may be, no matter how enslaving, you need to understand that Jesus Christ is able to set you free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That doesn't mean you're free from all sins in this life that awaits going into glory. But you can know the realities. And I would now have you turn to Mark chapter 3 and verse 28. Mark chapter 3 and verse 28. The Lord Jesus speaking. Truly, and that word truly is the word amen. So be it. Truly, I say unto you, all their sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and their blasphemies with which they shall blaspheme. Now, I was so encouraged recently when Pastor Carlson referred to this passage and he said exactly what I've always believed. Because if you read on, Jesus gives an exception. He says, but those who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit shall never be forgiven. And Pastor Carlson said on that occasion, do not let that one exception take away all of the truth from what Jesus has already said. Take away the promise, take away the hope, the confidence in his words just spoken. Truly, Jesus said, I say unto you, not some of their sins, but all their sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and their blasphemies. And so my feet as a gospel preacher are carrying to you this night, whether a sinner or a Christian, the announcement of glad tidings of good things that all of your sins, all of them, can be forgiven by trusting in Jesus Christ alone. What an amazing and wonderful reality to stop and think about all of the sins you're conscious of from the past before you became a Christian, if you are now a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, all of the sins you can think of in your past up to the present, to know I am freely and fully forgiven in Jesus Christ because he has promised and I believe his word and I am not going to doubt his word. He is not a liar. He doesn't lie. He cannot lie. He will never lie. His word is more sure than the earth upon which we are resting our feet. And so... What a wonderful, glad tidings that is. In the gospel, believing sinners receive free and full forgiveness for all sin. But secondly, 
In the gospel, believing sinners are clothed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is revealed a righteousness of God from faith unto faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. And now go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. Romans 3 and verse 21. But now, apart from the law, a righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ unto all them that believe, for there is no distinction. There we stop our reading. You see, these passages reveal that through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, sinners receive this perfect, spotless, immutable righteousness of God himself imputed to them, put to their account, and clothing them. Trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for pardon of sin, each and every believing sinner is clothed with a robe of the righteousness of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are no flaws, no holes, no dropped stitches, no tears, no stains, no blemishes in the robe of Jesus Christ's perfect righteousness, which clothes every believer. And consequently, every believer in Christ is accepted and embraced by the omniscient, righteous, and holy God in the courtroom of heaven. All of the righteous demands of God and his holy law are fully satisfied, resting as they do upon the sinless perfections of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life and in his death on the cross and his blood which was shed. Indeed, as Paul writes in Romans, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifies. So as you sit here this night, dear Christian, if you're a real Christian, you are conscious of the fact that you still sin. You may think about that reality, and it's not wrong to do so because it keeps us in the pathway of humility and in the pathway of trusting in Christ and not ourselves. But you must also remember that God sees you clothed in the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And consequently, dear Christian, 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. God is omniscient. He sees everything. But when he looks upon you, he sees the perfect righteousness of God in his son clothing you. You need to think on that reality. What a wonderful reality to know that I have the righteousness of God clothing me. I can stand boldly in the presence of God, conscious of my many remaining sins and much remaining corruption, and yet know I am freely and fully forgiven through Christ, and know I am clothed in the righteousness of God, and I can come boldly to God and ask large petitions of him, not only for myself, but for many other individuals and situations. So, dear brethren, the feet of the gospel preacher brings this news that you, when you trust in Jesus Christ, are clothed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. But thirdly, another reality of the glad tidings, in the gospel, believing sinners are adopted by God into his household. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For you received not the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. And there we stop the reading. In the Apostle Paul's day, young adult males of good character were those who ordinarily would be adopted by the rich who were childless, and they then would become heirs and maintain the family name of that rich adoptive father. But that is not God's method of adoption. And we should thank God that's so. God has chosen from before the foundation of the world to set his love upon specific sinners. Not sinners with good character, but the ungodly, ungodly sinners. And God justifies them through faith in Christ and then adopts them into his family. Now, many of you know, my wife and I have adopted three children. And I regard each one of them as my own flesh and blood, though they're actually not my flesh and blood. I love them without reservations. Well, how much more does God, the living God, love those whom he adopts into his family. And again, those that he adopts 
are those whom he has saved from sin, pardons them for all their sins, justifies them through their faith in Jesus Christ, and adopts them into the family. Those who were formerly morally filthy, not of good character, those who were without promise of doing any good, they were rebellious, those who were helpless and hopeless, that's whom God has adopted. And if you're a Christian, that's who you were, but now you are in the family of the living God. Adoption, you see, as one writer or theologians wrote, is an act of God's free grace. You don't deserve it, whereby all those who are justified are received into the number of the sons of God and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. Why fret in this anxious, troubled world? You can go as a Christian directly to God through Christ. He is your heavenly Father, and you can pour out all your needs upon him for yourself and for others. Every genuine Christian is presently a member of the family of God and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, you have this access to the throne of grace. God's love is yours in Jesus Christ. God's pity, God's protection, God's provision. Yes, God's chastening at times. The seal of his Holy Spirit. You have all of those privileges as adopted sons and daughters in Jesus Christ, yours unto the day of redemption. So that is a third blessing that you have, a third glad tidings to bring to you this night. But fourthly, this is the last one, though not the last in the Bible, in the gospel, believing sinners will receive final deliverance Final deliverance from the presence of all sin and eternal life in the presence of the triune God. To be freely and fully forgiven for all of your sins now is indeed an unspeakable blessing. Think on that truth and reality, dear Christian. To be clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is a blessing par excellence. To be adopted into God's family is the highest privilege available to the fallen children of Adam. But these are not the final blessings which believers receive from God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The blessings from God culminate in the day of resurrection, because at the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoyment of God to all eternity. Now, dear Christian, you long for that full enjoyment, 
Whenever you get a little bit of a taste of that enjoyment of communion with God, you cherish it. And then a day later, it seems like it's so far in the distant past. You try to bring it back from your memory. You try to recall it. You try to experience it afresh, but it seems to be stale. You long for that. Think of the words in Revelation. I won't have you turn there. The tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his peoples. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Tears are reality in this life. Man is born to sorrow as the sparks fly upward. But in that day, there shall be no more crying. And God himself shall wipe away every remaining tear. And death shall be no more. No more funerals to attend. No more visiting the grieving because of someone who has died. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The first things are passed away. Brethren, you need to think on these heavenly realities as you travel as a pilgrim through this life. There are many things that I personally find discouraging. There are times when I struggle with being blue. That may surprise you, but it's the truth. But we need to, I need to think on the future. And all that is awaiting everyone who is united by faith to Jesus Christ. But listen further in Revelation 22. There shall be no curse anymore, and the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be there, and his servants shall serve him. And they... shall see his face. It is wrong, it is unbiblical to have a picture in my judgment, according to the word of God, of supposedly the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not to have images, a painting, a picture of someone who supposedly represents Jesus Christ. But in that day, we shall see his face. And what a glorious day that will be. His name will be on your forehead. There shall be no night. There's no need for a lamp. Neither even the light of the sun. Because the Lord God shall give the light. And they, the people of God, shall reign forever and ever. Forever and ever. No ending of reigning and rejoicing and worshiping the Lamb of God upon his throne and the triune God, Father, and Holy Spirit. Forever and ever. 
in the light of all of these truths, dear Christian, you should love the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In the light of these truths, you, dear Christian, should live for Christ and speak of Christ to loved ones, to friends, to sinners. And for those who are here tonight who are not yet Christians, the Spirit and the Bride say to you, say to you personally, through the Word of God this night, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, come. Why are you waiting? Why are you still wallowing around in your guilt and sins? Why are you still so frustrated with all of the problems and all of those troubles? Why are you still going after that which will never satisfy your soul, never really satisfy you, but only bring you to judgment and bring you ultimately to hell? The Spirit and the Bride say to you tonight, Come. And if you hear, he that hears, let him say, Come. And he that is a thirst, let him come. He that will, let him take the water of life freely, without cost. So the beautiful feet of this gospel preacher, by the grace of God, I, a gospel preacher, with such beautiful feet, bring to each and every sinner this night the glad tidings of good things. Receive free and full forgiveness for all your sins. What a wonderful reality to know when you pillow your head at night. If I die this very night, I will be in the presence of Jesus Christ and my God. Be clothed as you trust in Christ with the perfect righteousness of Christ. What a wonderful reality to pillow your head at night and to know it is not my deeds of righteousness which make me acceptable to God. It is the righteousness of the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am clothed with that perfect, spotless, immutable robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. What a wonderful reality to pillow your head tonight and know, I am not a loner. I am now adopted into God's household and I can come into his presence boldly and pour out my heart and my soul and hide nothing from my omniscient God who loves me. You can obtain also, the final deliverance from your sins at death. Pillow your head tonight and know, if I die this night, I will indeed be in glory. And at the day of resurrection, my body will be resurrected, instantly glorified, reunited to my glorified soul. And I shall be in the presence of the triune God forever and ever and ever and ever never-ending purity and bliss and joy and worshiping the triune God, eternal life. 
not death, eternal life. Come, come to Jesus Christ this night. And believer in Christ, continue to come to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, our gracious God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for sending your Son into this world to take on flesh and blood, to live such a life amongst sinners, to never sin, to then die on the cross, willingly receiving your righteous wrath upon himself for the sins of his elect. We thank you, our God, for the free offer of the gospel, that all who would come, all whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We thank you, our God, for your glorious gospel and your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. Please, our God, our almighty God, draw sinners to you, to Christ, even this very night, and cause your dear people to bask in the glory and the wonder of the glad tidings of good things that are in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask for these mercies, pleading his name and blood. Amen.